the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. Marcel Wasserman is a financial consultant at 25 Wealth, and he's something of a crypto skeptic. That's an odd position for someone who previously owned 52 Bitcoin and then sold it all for a fraction of what they're worth now. Like many early adopters who bought Bitcoin for a few hundred rand, he watched the price climb a few hundred percent in no time at all and then decided his luck would soon run out, so he sold them. For a handsome profit, it should be added. He is a crypto skeptic, but that's not to say he does not see a role for crypto in a balanced portfolio. He also has contrarian views when it comes to debt. He doesn't like it and believes anyone can reach financial independence at a relatively young age. If they start early enough and avoid some of the traps and pitfalls many South Africans have fallen into. We thought this is a good opportunity to look at how crypto fits in with a good financial plan. So welcome, Marcel. Good to have you on the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Okay, so 25 Wealth, what is that? That's our invest firm I'm a part of, and we give investment advice that's independent. And the 25, is that you're trying to get financial independence by the age of 25? Is that the idea? No, it's that Eagle has 25-20 eyesight. So I get it. Okay. it shows that you can see right into the real problem. All right. Well, first of all, you've got to tell us the story of how you ended up owning 52 Bitcoin and then you sold it. Did you flinch when you saw the price scream up a few hundred percent and decided your luck was going to run out? I better sell. Uh, I flinched when I saw the price reach a million rand, yes. <laughs> but no, what happened back in the day when I got in, so I bought about 10 bitcoins and then I went on to anonymous stock exchanges and then I would trade on new IPOs or in those times ICOs. Coin Which is initial launches. coin offering, yeah. Yes, yeah. and I grew that to about 50 around there coins and then I thought, no, I really know what's going on here. I'm going to totally cash in. So I went 100% into my Bitcoin endeavor, bought a miner, bought another miner actually. And before the miners even got to me, that company went bankrupt. But then I had already bought some shares of that company. That was then gone. So that was 25 Bitcoins down the drain. And then there was another 25 Bitcoin stuck in an anonymous stock exchange. That one was closed by the FBI. If it really was, I don't know. And then... Oh, so you didn't actually sell them. You, you, they, they, were, they were stolen and, and confiscated. Most of them, yes. Um, and then the last bit, I still had the ones I sold. That was in um, Mount Gox, which was also closed. That was also hacked in 2014, yeah. the famous Mount Gox hack. Yeah. yeah, but I got out before then. But it was very exciting times. I remember like one afternoon I did a trade. And I drove home from work, which was 15 minutes. By the time I got home, I'd already made 120,000 rand. So I told my wife, look, get dressed. We're going out. <laughs> I figured out money. I'm rich now. Right. So, and by the time we got home, yeah, it had again fallen by 80,000. So it was very volatile. You would like right. make and lose in uh, what the year space was that? of a day. About 2013, around there somewhere. Uh, okay. And the, the price that you were buying at, are you like one of the really early guys? You know, we're talking about... 2012, 2013, around Yeah, that. my first coin was 600 rand for okay. the whole thing. Uh -huh. Yeah, not a fraction. And so how do you feel about it now, having lost it and <laughs> sold it and whatever? <laughs> it was exciting. It's part of life. And uh, I find myself as an investment advisor, sort of by career, financial consultant by career. I try and find out what's really going on. So it was a good thing for me at the end of the day because now I know a lot more than I used to know before then. 
because I got my hands real dirty in the whole financial sector. How did you first come across Bitcoin as an investment opportunity? Where did you find out about it? Hmm, good question. I've always been an online guy to an extent. So I've been keeping an eye on sort of new technologies like um, Fusion that we're working on now, modular Fusion that might fix the whole problem with ESCOM. So I'm always keeping an eye on new trends and new things for myself so that I can grow my own investment portfolio, but also just as an interest sec. I guess I'm weird like that, that I really enjoy looking at how the world is going. Do you still own crypto today? Today, no. Nothing at all? Zero. Okay. Indirectly, uh, yes, but directly, no. Right. We spoke before and you said, uh, despite the fact that at one time you did have 52 Bitcoin, you're a crypto skeptic. Why? To an extent, um, am I a crypto skeptic when you look at the definition? No. I'm not. I do believe there's hope in crypto. Am I a skeptic in the traditional currency? 100% yes. When we look at fractional reserve banking, when we look at the currency that's got no intrinsic value, we're not on the gold standard since 1970s, at least in the US. We also don't have market makers. So if you trade in the normal stock exchange and things get too hectic, they'll close it down and they'll try and calm the market a bit. Most of all, I'm really not a skip or, or a fan of what the government is doing when they can just print money, which is, let's be honest, it's not government. It's literally five people about um, that we can probably name who decide we are going to print another third, another quarter of the supply, meaning the rands in your wallet will become worth less. So they don't come to you and say, we've just deflated the money in your wallet. Here's some extra to make up for it. They've just deflated it. So Bitcoin does protect us against this kind of stuff. So I do like Bitcoin in that sense. The only thing I don't like is the protection I get from normal currencies when I have an ombudsman, registered advisors that I can basically sue or get some sort of repair if I've like had a big loss. Right. Okay. So you're a fan of what you call the all-weather portfolio. What is that and where does crypto fit into that? Good. So... That sort of, after losing a bit of Bitcoins and learning a lot, that's sort of something I'm really becoming a fan of. So essentially what it is, is the economy can only be in one of four places. Deflationary, inflationary, growth or decline. It can't be in any other place. And where we are is what is the sort of magic. That's when you know you're going to grow or lose on your portfolio. But no one knows if we're going up or down on one of these places. They just can roughly say we're in an inflationary period. But what comes next, who knows? So the all-weather portfolio is created by a very, very smart man from Bridgewater. And um, what he said is, I'm going to make a portfolio that wins in all those categories. Not a lot, but it's back-tested all the way since 1927 before the Great Depression to today. And it's always growing a little bit. So when the markets go down, you grow a little bit. So Bitcoin does fit into that because what he's dividing up in your portfolio is risk. So although his portfolio, the all-weather portfolio would look like 7.5% in gold, 7.5% in equities or um, commodities. Then he does have some shares, but most of it is in bonds because of risk. So some people say stuff like put 5% of your portfolio into a risky investment or 10% even. But then again, we have to have the discussion about your investment horizon. If you need the money tomorrow or maybe this year, do you want to do some renovations on your home, for example? I wouldn't go into Bitcoin for that purpose. But if I know I can use this specific money and my horizon is maybe 10 years or 20 years, okay, then it starts becoming viable because I'm not desperate to take the money out in a bad time. I can ride it out and say 10 years, let it go. One of the disadvantages of crypto 
of course, is the volatility, which you've just mentioned. You can get very volatile stocks, though. Uh, as you've seen over the last couple of years, they can be up and down several percent in a day. And that, to the same extent, you're going to get that in the crypto market as well. So this issue of risk comes up. Is there a place for this kind of volatility in your all-weather portfolio? By the way, are mm. you like recommending for some of your clients, maybe for some of your younger ones, that they do acquire some crypto? Yeah, for the younger ones, it definitely is an option. But again, it depends what is your need. What are you going towards? So especially if, if someone's a retired person, then it becomes really hard for me to say, okay, put your money into Bitcoin because they might need a very, very consistent paycheck every month to pay a medical aid or to pay something really important. And when we talk investing, we have to look at the whole sphere. So if we say, yes, we have to look at a retired person with only 2 million rand in the bank. I literally had a client this week that put half her money into crypto. So for her, I said, that's a bit hectic. Rather go way more conservative so that you know every month you can pay your medical aid. But then on a younger kid who's got a job, he's still working, it doesn't really matter if he puts half his portfolio into crypto because he will definitely still recover. Plus, he might benefit from the upswings. But if I have both those questions answered, then I can really tailor a, a recommendation to that person. Right. And I mentioned in the beginning that you're against debt. Now, a lot of people are using their mortgage bonds as kind of a, a source of funds for all sorts of other things, you know, going on holiday, which, of course, is dangerous because you're consuming money that you're paying back over 20 years. And we've had to go through the cycle of rising interest rates now for the last few years. Just sort of outlay the case for that, why debt is not a good thing. Or you should get out of debt as fast as you can. Yes, you should not even go into debt. It's a crisis. It is an absolute um violation of your future wealth plan. So there are some bad debts. So just quickly chat about those. So if I have a property and I'm living in the property and I'm renting it out and I'm actually making a profit at the end of the day, this is good debt. I'm not too concerned about that debt. If I have a business loan, I loan some money to create a business, the business pays me back more. So something like business financing, I would totally get. So I buy a franchise, a food franchise, and I use that loan to make money tomorrow Although I own the money, I'm actually making a profit. Now, here comes the problem. So how does fractional reserve banking work, if I can loop back to that? So the banks say, for example, it's ninefold. So they can take, when I put my pension money with the bank, they can say, we can take this, times it by nine. So they just invented new money. They give that out to people. But then if you don't pay back that money, the invented money, they can take back your real life assets including your Bitcoin, your gold, your buildings. And they are ruthless. They are extremely efficient at this. They have numerous systems set up. They have lawyers. They have the law on their side with this thing. And you as a normal person, you might run into a situation. Um, here's another little bad thing about debt. The banks know that every seven years, this is a, a figure they have, a, a statistical figure, that someone will go into financial trouble. This is just how life works. You get retrenched, um, you get sick, whatever. But they calculate their debt so that they make their money back by that moment. So they have already calculated this in. But then after that, now it's profit for them. And that's only when you really start paying off this debt. So the home loans are structured in a way, for example, you pay off interest, 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 interest. And in the last 10 years, five years, then you start paying off the, the actual asset. So if you make trouble before then, they don't lose anything. They keep the asset because you never paid it off and you paid off all the debt. Right, and they will pursue you for the shortfall 
you yes. know, because they're going to sell that property and they don't seem to be too enthusiastic about selling it for, you know, what is the market price. And there's been this whole change to Rule 46 in terms of the court rules here where you have to put in a, what they call a reserve price, which is a floor price because there's instances where properties were being sold for 10 rand and 100 rand, which, of course, is a, is a fictitious sale. It's mm. not real. Mm-hmm. But they would then come after the, uh, the defaulting borrower for the balance. Yeah. Um, right, so it's an actuarial certainty in, a, in the period of a 20-year mortgage bond that you're going to run into some financial trouble in that period. And so you've clarified that. It's seven years is what they calculate on. Mm. Right, so um, what advice do you have for people who have a mortgage bond then and, and, uh, and they've got credit cards? What do you tell them? What I do is I say don't pay it off first. I say hang on. First create and learn the behavior of investing so take your monies put it somewhere even in a box under the bed but don't put it in a box under the bed but this is just a symbol of saying (laughs) start accumulating your own income your own money so live on for example 70 percent invest 30 percent how you invested that's up to you now you're starting to grow into a place where you've got some extra cash and you can see that you're actually getting ahead then you use that to pay off debts But what people mostly do, and this is again a behavioral thing, I'm paying off my property early, they say. So they put in extra money into the property. And then after 10 years, they say, hmm, I'm in this financial trouble. I'm going to use my access bond. Or they say the kids need to go to school. Or they say I need a new car or a pool or an overseas trip. So meaning they never get out of debt. They have one property that should have been done in 20 years, but it goes for 40 years. And they still owe the entire outstanding amount. What I'm trying to say, and this is something that even Dave Ramsey, this American author, says a lot, money is 20% knowledge and 80% behavior. So this is what we're trying to overcome is to say, I'm actually building an invest portfolio, whether it's Bitcoin or half and half or whatever it might be. But now I'm seeing I've got some assets building up and then I decide when I'm going to pay off my debts with this. And then eventually I don't even have to make any more loans, no more credit cards, overdrafts, etc., because I can learn from myself. Well, of course, one of the things that people have discovered with uh, crypto is that you can actually borrow. You have these um, decentralized exchanges like Uniswap, Ava, that you can go to, and they don't even need to know your name, they don't even have your email address, but you do have to have collateral. And uh, they would collateralize it, I think, I don't know what it is currently, but like one and a half times or, or maybe even twice what the amount that you want to borrow is. But people have purchased more Bitcoin and more crypto using borrowings. That, of course, requires a lot of trust because the assumption is that the value of those cryptos are going to continue going up. And as we saw in the last few years, you had a 70% drop in Bitcoin and close to an 80% drop in Ethereum. And then you get wiped out because these are smart contracts. You can't phone up anybody and say, hey, uh, give us a break here. No, <laughs> it's, a, it's executed by code. So what about instances like that? Because there are people who have built tremendous wealth doing that in other words gearing up using the borrowings in the crypto market to acquire more crypto yeah if i was one of those guys i was trying to put myself in their shoes to say what would i do i would then start going out in a leveraged way so i would take as big a gain as i got but then i would try and leverage that back into boring stuff property um, cash in the bank my favorite box under the bed which if you know where I live, I don't have a box of cash. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody knows. (laughs) But yeah, so it's just, it's what is investing really that it comes back down to that. So after my 
Bitcoin days, I realized I actually didn't know what investing was. And that's why I went really deep into like economic bubbles and um, how the economy works and how the strategy behind investing works, like having these all-weather portfolios, for example, because then it protects me in a large extent. So I would always try and leverage to make more in any field, whether it's property, um, making a business loan to buy a business, that still makes sense. In the crypto space, it's the same thing. How do I use that space to my advantage that I know a little bit more than the average person to my own benefit? Yeah, I mean, there is a movement around the world to have shorter periods for mortgage bonds, like seven or eight years, because if you're buying a car, I think the maximum would be about seven years. And some of these cars are priced. They're, they're very expensive, and you've, you've got to pay that back within seven years. Well, if you can afford that, why don't you do that with the house as well? And it's, you, you begin to question, well, how did we end up with a 20-year, and the United States, a 30-year mortgage bond? You know, which is, uh, the, the word mortgage means, uh, what does it mean again? Mortgage is, is a, a death trap. It comes from the French word more. Wow. Um, and that's what it is. It's, it's like uh, this, this liability that's hung around your neck for, for decades. Okay, talk about the, the issue of profit because uh, there's a lot of people in the crypto market who are traders and a lot of people have developed these automated bots that will do the trading for them and there's quite a few of them here in South Africa. And they do well, but they, they do well. There's an underlying assumption that um, the trend is bullish. And anybody who's been involved in automated trading will, will know that market conditions can change and your robot will fall over. But then many Bitcoiners are just holding for the long term. Some are not traders. They just want to hold it you know, for 10, 20 years and, and never sell. Is there a time to cash out, in mm -hmm. your opinion? Mm -hmm. You're holding Bitcoin. You've had it for 10 years. And, and you, you read these reports that are saying it's going to $100,000 or a $1 million dollars. Uh, there's all kinds of wild speculation out there. But is there a time to cash out? Yeah, um, diamond hands, to an extent, could be amateurish to say I'm holding this indefinitely. Why? Look at my own example. Had 52 bitcoins. If I had used the dollar cost averaging um, methodology, which just says I'm going into my investment slowly over time. And when I go out, I go out slowly over time. Or when I use a balanced portfolio, I would have still had Bitcoins because I wouldn't have taken all 52 and put it at risk. I would have taken a portion of my whole portfolio. So now bringing back to that uh, person, he's 30 years old. He's got maybe 3 million, maybe, maybe 30 million in Bitcoin. I would certainly realize that profit because unrealized profit isn't profit. So let's just back up for a second and look at someone like um, Carl Icahn. He made an investment in uh, Netflix. Altogether, he made like $2 billion or something ludicrous on that. But there came a time when he cashed out of that investment. He realized about half of his holdings. So I think he had about 9% at that point. He sold half of that. So he cashed out about $800 million US. So why would he do that? Because the rest of his portfolio was totally out of whack. And this is, again, why I'm thinking of this thing as a portfolio. So meaning at that point, before he cashed out, his holdings were like 80% Netflix and then the rest of his portfolio like $100 million. Meaning if he then cashed out, the rest of his portfolio suddenly grew and he would never lose that again. So then I would go, if I have such a big windfall and I'm very skewed to one asset class like a Bitcoin or a property or a share, I would sell that off and stock up the rest. And it would also go other way around. Let's say I've got a property that now tripled. I would then go and buy more Bitcoin if my Bitcoin went down. 
just explain why you think it's better to invest in the service industry around crypto than rather than crypto itself. So I would still invest in crypto. Okay, about five to ten percent in my personal view. Okay, this is in a very, very, very conservative approach to things. However, the industry around that, I'm looking at stuff like, um, I'm not affiliated to this company, but Wealth eCoin, uh, Scott Picken made this uh, coin, which the intent behind it was it's a smart contract based on the Ethereum network, which then bypasses the whole way that I have the deed with a bank and I have to have lawyers involved to put this deed on my name or the bank's name. I have to register the bond. Technically, a smart contract can do all of that for us, right? Because the smart contract can go to the government or to whoever and use the blockchain blockchain technology and show us who really owns this property. So that's a good thing. So that would be the kind of things I look at is what would this future of us behold in the crypto space? So I would maybe have a Bitcoin or two, but long term, I'm thinking the real wealth is going to be made in the industry around Bitcoin. Um, a way I look at it is like the guys that are still making money off oil, I think are the petrol stations, the actual mom and pop who owns a petrol station and they service cars and they have a car wash and they have a little shop there. They're not literally owning oils of barrel in the garage or even oils of gas in the garage. They've got the shop and they're already making money today every single month, regardless if Bitcoin is up or down. So that's the way I look at it. But I'm looking at it a way as a business owner. So I would think, how do I use a business loan to create a new company in this space that gets paid every month? And then, sure, that can be in the crypto space. All right. And then, of course, there's 20,000 cryptos out there, and nobody can keep track of that. I mean, there are people who pretend to, um, but it's way beyond anybody's capability. This is really something almost for artificial intelligence to do. You know, they can just absorb and ingest all of this massive amount of data and throw out the uh, the key ones. Now, Bitcoin and Ethereum are the ones that everybody seems to think have got a future. There's Solana. You know, if you look through the top 10, those would be the ones. Do you see a reason to have a bit of a diversified crypto portfolio? Yeah, definitely. Um, in my days, my biggest wins came from the smaller coins. So I would keep an eye on the new coins coming up and then looking at their sort of white papers to see, okay, what are they really about? How are they different? What are they doing that's new? So I'm still to this day, I keep an eye on some of the newer coins. Um, but the old school Bitcoin, it just really is powerful because it's got this hardware network around it. But yes, like any portfolio, we're getting back to the all weather portfolio. What I'm trying to do is even some of the traditional invest houses, they would actually add Bitcoin, Ethereum as part of my bigger portfolio. And it brings us back to, you know, what do the wealthy do? They have no more than 25% of their wealth in any one asset. Usually, this is sort of an average. So, meaning if I were to take 100% crypto portfolio, I wouldn't go 100% in Bitcoin. I would divvy it up a little bit. Maybe half, a quarter, a quarter. Or a third, a third, a third. Marcel Wasserman, who is the financial consultant with 25 Well, Thanks for joining us on the Money with Crypto podcast. Thank you so much, guys. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.